When we made our new McDonald's spicy chicken McNuggets, you were praise hands emoji. Then we ran out, and you were streaming tears emoji. Now they're back, so you can be grinning face with sweat emoji. Order ahead on the McDonald's app. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For a limited time at participating McDonald's. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law. You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. Hey friends, this is Cam, one of the hosts of the Gamer Heroes Podcast. We really hope you're enjoying the show you're listening to right now, and if you are, please consider becoming a patron of the Heroes Podcast Network at patreon.com slash heroespodcasts. Your support would genuinely mean the world to us, and would allow us to cover hosting costs for the website, get new equipment and software, and even make it out to different conventions and events to meet you, our loyal listeners. All Patreon tiers will get you access to the Patron Lounge and Slack, which will allow you to chat and interact with your favorite HPN hosts. On behalf of everyone here at HPN, thank you all so much for your continued support. We really couldn't do any of this without you. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Kaiju Curry House. I'm your host Paul and joining me today we have Joe. Howdy there. And Alex. Hello. Hello gentlemen. Um, today's episode we're going to be looking at Evangelion. Uh, the series, the movies, um, the whole shebang. It's not really my forte so you guys will be doing the talking. But before we get into that let's ask the beloved question of what have Kaiju been up to? Um, Alex you go first. Yep, so for myself, um, it's been a good weekend. I yesterday interviewed Matthew Meyer, the yokai guy, and that's going to be coming up in an episode very shortly, so I'll look forward to releasing that. I've also been uh, re-watching bits and pieces of Evangelion to psych myself up, and while trawling through Amazon, I discovered that one of my DVD box sets is priced uh, at around £700, so I'm rather, pl- I'm rather <laughs> pleased about that. So, um, Joe, if you need any help paying for any of your figures, you know, I've got 700 quid floating (laughs) around. We'll get to that, actually, when we discuss Evangelion, the price of the DVDs, and the things that are rather interesting to know revolving around them. But, anyways. Yeah, what what have Kaiju been up to, Joe? Well, this weekend, I've been looking at all the stuff going on at G-Fest, um... I used to live in Illinois, so I am a alumni attendee. I didn't go this year, obviously. Um, kind of fell on my anniversary, and it's, as it was the 10th anniversary, I feel like probably should stick here, you know? <laughs> but um, I've been looking at things that are too expensive for me online, namely the Gigantic Series 2019 figure. However, I'm torn between that, I, and I recently found a Redosaurus, that's the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms model kit, and I do, I do oh, yeah. want me one of those. It was a pretty nice one, so I'm weighing my options right now. Well, you could get both. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, 
unfortunately, you just can't sell a kidney anymore. So it's kind of a bummer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Paul, what have you been up to? Well, my Necka Mothra arrived and she's very nice. She's smaller than I expected, but she's got a very big wingspan. So I think it's a um, 12 inch um, wingspan, but the, her body is about two or three inches. So, um, you know, it's, it's 25 pounds. Looks really nice. But um, yeah, body was a bit smaller. Not that's a problem because I don't have much space. Uh, which is a bit of a problem when I also went and bought the Star Race Kong uh, 12-inch model, which is an absolute beauty. Uh, I went for the deluxe model where he's got the base and helicopter in his hand. Uh, I don't even know why I ended up getting it. I was just um, browsing eBay and I came across it for um, £150 and I was like, why the hell not? And now I just need to find space for him. He is a beaut. So I've been spending money. It's kind of funny because they just debuted the uh, new Star Race King Kong at G-Fest. Uh, he's in a fighting pose and he's snarling. Yeah. Um, okay. Kaiju Summit International. Have I got their name right? Yeah. They, um, yeah. The, name rings a bell. Yeah, they, they unveiled some uh, some goodies. And um, yeah, the, the Kong looks fantastic. Uh, I'm not a Kong fan, but... I mean, the Star Race Kong that you've gone for, uh, oh, it's it's a lovely figure, isn't it? It really is, yeah. I will um, try and do a review, I think, for the website at some yeah. point. <laughs> but um, you say you're not a fan, but maybe once you see Skull Island or yes. just you know Godzilla vs. Kong next Absolutely. year, you might be a bit more Yeah, more enthusiastic, definitely. Well, I've managed to shift uh, five of my seven SH Monster Arts figures. Um, I decided to have a bit of a purge, and I'm trimming down my collection and i'm focusing more on x plus so i've sold off five sh monster arts figures and that created more than enough funds to pay off burning godzilla because that was around 220 pound so yeah it was a big Ooh. yeah oh, it was a lot of money it's a, it's a yuji sakai model so very expensive shipping paid figure paid now it's waiting for the customs charge before i weep <laughs> Oh, all these charges. I know. Why do I do this? <laughs> it's such an expensive hobby. <laughs> it is a very expensive fandom, oh. isn't it, that we're in here? Shockingly expensive fandom. Right, what is the format for tonight for Evangelion? Right. How are we doing this? Because we, we could do multiple episodes. Paul might not be able to, but... It's a vast subject. Yeah, we might... Apparently so, We yeah. might come back to this, but I'm thinking tonight... We can start off going over the series, which is, of course, what started it all off. We can then dive into the endings of the series. There are two different endings. There's the original syndicated ending, which some folks don't like. And there is the action-laden end of Egan movie. And then for the third segment, I'm thinking that we can probably go ahead and just discuss the movies, which have just kind of retconned the whole series. They're basically remasters and retellings and just a new direction for what the series is. No, that that sounds like a good plan. Okay, because we could revisit this at any point, but should we start off by introducing what is Evangelion? Paul, as the novice in the trio... (laughs) Knowing less about Evangelion, well, you say that I, I have seen it. Oh, great! I have, okay, I have watched right. it. So what? About fifteen or so years ago. What's Evangelion? Describe it to us. Um, 
from what I remember, it's about some... They're called angels, which are basically the, the giant monsters that are attacking... And then, for whatever reason, kids are now piloting some giant robots. But the robots also go berserk. So I guess they're somehow alive. And then they all play in a band at the end as an orchestra or something. That's my memories of Evangelion. Has some really cool fight scenes, though. Yep. And Joe. Is that about right? Oh, uh, I interrupted you there. No, um, Joe, correct me. Joe, can you describe Evangelion in a couple of sentences? That's impossible to do. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I'm, put, I'm putting you on the spot though. It's it's fun, no, because non waffly answer if you're capable of doing that, Joe. Yeah. Ooh, now you've called me out. I oh, know. Yeah. Evangelion is an early '90s anime by Hideaki Anno, and under the guise of giant robots fighting giant monsters with a little philosophy thrown in. It is actually a show that is about anxiety and depression, and the different characters in the show are essentially plot vehicles to show different coping mechanisms for different forms of anxiety and depression. Yep, I'm happy with that. And uh, my understanding of Evangelion, in a nutshell, is it's a predominantly mecha anime focused around themes on mental health, religion, blind faith, blind faith in religion, and um, sort of dystopian future where there's, um, well, a particularly malevolent, I can't even say the word, malevolent force always a presence. Uh, and it's a very Old Testament, really Old Testament. Have you guys noticed that? Well, the New Testament is, and if you're looking at Christi- Christianity, it's quite happy and forgiving and loving. So if you're going to have battles, it would kind of be Old Testament, wouldn't it? <laughs> My, I just, I, I, I got the. Anybody else go? To, anybody else go to Sunday school? Come on now. So I got the religious undertones, but um, no idea what testament or um, anything like that. Okay, so um, the series takes you through multiple angels that kind of arrive one by one testing humanity and just running through some of their names now i've loaded them up uh one second i remember one was called was it satchel for some reason that's that's the one i yes. remember um so you know adam lilith lilith was the was the first wife of adam have i got that right i always thought it was eve oh. but oh well <laughs> it, this feels like it's it's a Bible study session. Okay, so my understanding is that Lil- Lilith was the first wife of Adam after he left the Garden of Eden. Um, Sachiel, Samshel, um, what else? Ramil, Gagiel. They're all angels dedicated to different aspects of heaven. And one of the things that always stood out to me in my mind when I first watched Evangelion, was when there's explosions. The explosions are crucifixes. Do you yes. remember that, Paul? Yeah, I remember that, yeah. yeah. Distinctly, yes, I do remember that, sort of, whenever they exploded. When they exploded, yeah, sort of these massive crucifixes appear. Um, you've got the... the you've got the... Uh, is it the Dead Sea Scrolls, they're, they, they're called? That prophesies the end of mankind. You've got the fact that um, Lilith, the second angel, is on a crucifix. Um, there's there's just loads going on there. So, when did you first watch Evangelion, Joe? 
I first watched Evangelion, oh gosh, I would have been like 12 or 13 at the time. And I'm not going to lie, I did not watch the whole thing. It was in the United States, um, I was watching Dragon Ball Z, good old DBZ. And if you bought the tapes by Funimation, um, Funimation would run some Evangelion uh, promos. And I have always liked giant monsters and giant mechs battling giant monsters seemed okay. My brother and I kind of like Gundam, which uh, Gundam Wing came on before DBZ when we were watching it. So we gave it a go and it kind of went over our heads. Those first few episodes, you don't, I mean, the second episode where you actually see the fight and you watch that first episode, it's like, oh, right. He kind of cut away. It didn't give us the end of the fight. And then he's just in the hospital. This is interesting. So I can't, I think it went over my head um, years later. Um, Joe watched it again in his late 20s and it made a lot more sense and it was a lot more interesting. And then I finally purchased it actually about two years ago and just kind of been, I, I just rewatched the Netflix version and I have to say, I kind of prefer the original dub, but you know, it's yeah. kind of a thing that's followed me, but it's only in later years that the depth and layering in the plot actually made sense to me. Like, it doesn't really make sense even now. There's just so much going on and how you are supposed to take it versus what the plot is. Um, you know, arguably, does anybody get everything that Evangelion is supposed to be? But it's part of the ride and that's the fun of it. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Alex? For myself, um, I was introduced to Evangelion when I was about 17, 18, and in between college and going to university, yes, I was one of those posh kids that had a gap year, guilty as charged, I uh, worked part-time for a bit, and whilst not saving to go away, occasionally I would drop my money on anime and various kind of typical teenage stuff and I was introduced to Evangelion and I was very much an anime novice I'd not seen much other than bits and pieces of Ghibli I watched a bit of Cowboy Bebop but Evangelion struck me as a show because it lulls you into a false sense of security you watch the show and it's got a lot of the typical tropes that you expect from anime. It's got the giant monsters, it's got the mecha action, it's got the blatant fan service, which it really kind of um, lays heavy on, you know, um, pun intended. And then suddenly, as Joe's alluded to earlier, just bam, out of nowhere, it, the tone goes seriously dark. And about halfway through... It becomes far more introspective. And I think the turning point for me, there's an episode where this angel attacks and the angel appears as this black spherical entity, this huge sphere. And actually, it's casting a shadow on the ground and it turns out that the shadow itself is the angel. That's the thing they need to attack rather than the black sphere itself have i got that right joe or rather the black sphere is the shadow it's something like that i know exactly what you're talking about and but, um, but again if it made sense 
this would be an easy linear show to discuss and it wouldn't be the thing that it is. Mm. But anyway, um, the reason why I mentioned that episode is because the various uh, Mecha, the Evangelion units, they um, they sink into the ground, into this um, angel, and the the hero of the show, if you can even call him that, Shinji, he's stuck inside the angel and his power is starting to fail and he's got very little time left before kind of his unit uh, effectively switches off and he's trapped and rather than kind of trying to escape he just sits there and he's alone with his thoughts and starts to spiral into panic and starts to think about kind of who he is the way he's perceived by his friends and his family or his adopted family as they are and it's very powerful stuff and from there it just gets darker and darker and that's where i'm going to pass over the mic to where joe because i think joe can probably explain it very nicely i was thinking about this when i was watching it the other day you know preparing for the episode and every episode is something different to offer but if i was going to single out an episode as just normal in Evangelion, like a normal good starter episode to watch, it would be episode 10. I think it's out of 26. So if you have Netflix, you know, you pop it on, just kind of get a bit of a primer. But the whole mythos of Evangelion, it starts out just like you said, Alex, like, oh, it's just kids versus monsters, you know, typical anime there, because it's always a teenager or a kid, isn't it? And, you know, they're winning, they're fighting, but as the show goes on, the angels stop using so much brute force tactics or tactics that, you know, are more physical, and they start going more and more psychological. And that's when the show starts to shift tone, become, like you said, Alex, much darker. There is a certain terror, perversion, and it's just sickening some of the thing i mean it's not sickening in a bad way it's just it's shocking you know like wow this is really sick like i would totally react the same way if i were in this character's shoes like that's a really terrible thing to put somebody through like some of the stuff that it is a bit of a spoiler here but the evas themselves so these giant mechs they aren't actually mechs um evas are cloned and they're human i guess you could say they they're they share the majority of the genetic code just like the angels with humans it's kind of like if we had gone a slightly different path and the angels i guess in a sense because they are genetically just about human they represent different paths that humanity could have taken but the evas are piloted and in order to have an eva you know that you can pilot it has to be bonded with a soul it needs to have a soul and Eva Zero One, which is Shinji's, you know, our main protagonist, his Eva, you find out later in the series, and again, very spoiler heavy here, his mother sacrificed herself, and that is supposedly where her soul resides. And the reason that Shinji is so successful in a sense is because it's his mother that he's piloting it's her soul that is activated or given you know life to this evangelion unit and he's piloting her body 
and you know she it's the evangelion's being subjected to pain and it's how he syncs up but just recognizing that that's why his father is so weird just watching this and that's why his father is so removed why shinji like like when he's alone in that eva unit for too long like it starts to really mentally poison him you can understand these things the other thing that evangelion like i like i've said before in this podcast already is it's about depression and anxiety every character is a symptom or a way of dealing with psychological issues like our main three characters here are shinji which is the young boy he pilots eva zero one there's ray um ray is the pilot of the prototype eva zero zero um she's quite withdrawn and then there's asuka um and asuka pilots zero two and i think she's kind of a fan favorite Hmm. so shinji it's pretty easy to see his symptoms you know like how he handles depression shinji has no self-worth and he gets his value kind of like by being a parasite i guess you could say he does what other people want him to do and looks for his self-value in their praise like that's how he gauges himself you know based on what other people are saying he wants no part of this he doesn't want to fight but the only time when anybody talks to him or gives him any credence is when he pilots the ava which apparently he's very good at so the longer he's in that ava the more he kind of spirals into his depression because again it's something he doesn't want to do he's only doing it because of the value that other people have placed upon it oscar um is really funny because she's quite similar to shinji in a sense that the eva is what she's good at and she places all of her value like that's where she sees her value she's not good at it's not regardless of what other people think if she can't pilot the ava and be good at that what is there in life and then she uh suffered a very traumatic childhood um earlier in her childhood, i guess you should say her mother committed suicide and she tried to take oscar with her and that that reflects very heavily on Asuka's mental state that you see later on in the series. It manifests itself very significantly as the story unfolds through her through her Ava unit, because whilst a formidable force, it's also well, it, it's just a mess. It's um, and she ends up having a breakdown, doesn't she, towards the end of the show? Yeah, she has she has a complete breakdown. Basically, um, the sync values uh that they have i mean this is kind of a nice show in the fact that they show you that there is training that they're running through you know like programs and training daily they're trying to sync the pilots better and better with their ava units kind of like jaegers i guess you could say pacific rim borrowed very heavily from the show incidentally um and as shinji's sync values climb higher and higher and higher and eventually surpass asuka's she makes a big show of not caring but she does and because her mojo has kind of been taken away in a sense she feels threatened by it and the more she feels threatened by it and starts concentrating and focusing on that the lower her sync values fall to eventually to the point where she can't pilot her ava and she loses all self-worth and she just disconnects from reality 
So that was kind of Asuka's journey. Ray, she just has no self-worth in herself whatsoever, I'd say. Would you call that fair, Alex? Absolutely. Um, but she's she's passive. She's very passive. And um She's she, just floating. She's just floating along. But she still very importantly is a manifestation of their depression because she just goes along with everything and doesn't really seem to feel anything, which is very, very well portrayed. I mean, the voice acting for the three main characters is exceptional, frankly. For how much dubbing gets slated, I, I think it's it's brilliant. In the original dub that I kind of watched, the earlier, more famous one through the 90s, and I think Rei Ayanami particularly, she um she just sounds like a, a scared little mouse. But um Ray's Ray's most haunting moments for me are when you see where she lives. I mean yeah. she lives alone mm. and it's dark. She has no decorations, trash isn't taken out, dishes are piled up. And I mean, like, it's it's typical of what you see in someone who's depressed and they're just overwhelmed. Yes. Or yeah. they just don't care or they just like, what's the point of all of this? Because she just doesn't, I mean, like, even like all the bloody bandages and stuff, like she's obviously been wounded in these fights and whatnot. And the bandages that she has, they're just in like clear, like plastic bags hanging in places. It's, it's mm. just, she's just there and like, her pillow's got blood on it, but has she changed the sheet that covers it? I mean, it, she's it just, is, yeah, she's just alone. She's so alone, and she doesn't know how to reach out. She can't make connections. This sounds really depressing, doesn't it? Well, it gets that way, yeah. Well, uh, absolutely, yeah, because... Um, <laughs> Which is the point. <laughs> so, Anno describes um, the three characters as being like the, the id, ego, and super ego kind of model. That's how I've kind of understood it. And I think Anno described that in an interview once. And certainly, Rei Ayanami is the super ego because everything that she does is for others. But it's not in that parasitic way that Shinji's acting for... Um, praise. Yeah. Validate, no praise, no validation. She does because she's ex uh, expected to. In the first very episode when you meet Rei Ayanami, she's lying there you know, on a hospital bed and she's got cuts and uh, wounds on her, and she's in bad. She's in bad shape. Yeah, she's and almost dead. <laughs> she is yeah, almost no, dead. She's, she's messed up. And Shinji's having one of his many breakdowns as he comes to have, and his dad's like, "Right, you know, son, get in the get in the air." And fair enough. I mean, Shinji's dad's a complete he's nuts, but still, I mean, well, he's he's, so... he's not even necessarily nuts. He is suffering from his own form of depression. Yes, yeah, he lost. He, point, yeah, Shin, Shinji's dad is withdrawn because he's lost his spouse and everything that Shinji's dad does in the show is to be closer to his dead spouse. The only way that he can be close is to be close to unit zero one, which has her soul on board, so to speak. He wants to kick off the human instrumentality project, which is a complicated thing in the show because he wants to to meet her soul again he like, he doesn't want Shinji because I think he views Shinji as like an instrument or a reason as to why that uh, his mom is no longer there. But yeah. again, like the whole reason that he's there is just to be closer again or to just um, 
be in the presence of his dead wife and nothing else matters to him. He's just dead to the world other than that. He has a job, but again, it's just for that one reason. He has one goal. I'm sorry to constantly draw parallels to Game of Thrones, Paul, because I realize you haven't watched it. But 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 no, it's 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 pre- it's prevalent in you know pop culture at the moment. So kind of Shinji, it's it's a slightly weird comparison, but Shinji basically is like Tyrion Lannister to where uh, to his dad because the way Shinji is viewed by his father is kind of you know the the cause of the mother's death uh, an embarrassment not someone who should be respected and frankly just you know a waste of space but necessary to things moving forwards yeah um, Iwan does not like Tyrion but no. he can't help but admit Tyrion has his uses in the same way yeah. that Shinji's dad does not like Shinji is not no. impressed with him and yeah. you get that the whole time. Like, I think the one time he says, good work, pilot, Shinji's just like, <gasps> Yes, and he, um, he kind of goes into a sort of fangirl squee over it. You know, you can't handle all the praise. But yeah, he's, he's very parasitic, Shinji. I mean, in many ways, actually, he's a totally unlikable hero. And I think that, that was one of the reasons why, ironically, I love the show so much. Because, you know, he, he's not overpowered. He's, he's not amazing. He's a 14-year-old messed up kid. And guess what? When you put that much responsibility on a 14-year-old, they break. Um, And on that note, we're about to have a break. Hey friends, this is Cam, one of the hosts of the Gamer Heroes podcast. We really hope you're enjoying the show you're listening to right now. And if you are, please consider becoming a patron of the Heroes Podcast Network at patreon.com slash heroespodcasts. Your support would genuinely mean the world to us and would allow us to cover hosting costs for the website, get new equipment and software, and even make it out to different conventions and events to meet you, our loyal listeners. All Patreon tiers will get you access to the Patron Lounge and Slack, which will allow you to chat and interact with your favorite HPN hosts. On behalf of everyone here at HPN, thank you all so much for your continued support. We really couldn't do any of this without you. Hello and welcome back to Kaiju Curry House. Uh, as you've hopefully been listening, we're talking about Evangelion, which sounds um, pretty depressing, actually. I don't remember it being this bad when I watched it originally, but maybe I tuned out. Um, so, Joe, do you want to carry on telling us about this um, this series before we move on to anything else? Yeah, so we were discussing just over the break, um, my favorite characters in the show are Asuka and then Masato. and One thing I think that this series does absolutely fantastically is strong female characters. I think that they nailed it in this show. Uh, All of the female characters are instantly more likable, um, I think, because they're given a realness. And that realness is just a very human element of depression and flaw, which every character in this show has. But I've, I've yet to really see anime characters that have this depth of emotion and the female characters those two especially asuka and masato have it now masato is like the older sister that's wound up taking care of the other kids in a family like the parents have ditched them or whatever uh they're orphaned what have you and masato has stepped into the mothering role or the foster mother of asuka and shinji And I think the great thing about Masato is she does not have her shit together. She's not the perfect mom. She is not an ideal mom, but 
that's what makes her normal because I think all three of us dads, like we can even say as parents, nobody has their shit together when you're a mom or a dad. No. It's you, yeah. you learn on the fly. Yeah. <laughs> and even when you think you do, you don't. So yeah. Masato, I think when we first meet her, like she has this car, she looks all rock starish and everything. She's saving Shinji. Like you're going to come pilot Ava. And like in the background, like you kind of hear like her mental echo. It's just like, Oh shit, I just finished paying for this car. Now it's wrecked. Oh, I'm going to be broke. No. (laughs) And then like you get to her place and it's a slum, you know, like she's been living on her own and she's got everything going on. She's got the beer bottles piled up. She's got the floor drobe, which is, you know, clothes all over the floor. It's a thing. And you can tell it like, she's just living a bachelorette, bachelorette. Uh, hmm. lifestyle she's a sexy slob though she's a very sexy slob yeah that's the thing like a sexy slob no she nice. she is though yeah she so is. In, in the series aren't they aren't they all sexy in this show that's another thing in the show like um there's like an undercurrent of sexuality which if you're gonna i mean again they're teenagers that should be explored even adults i mean like everybody has it in their life there's some element of sexuality but masato Again, I just I love her because she's so normal and this has all been thrust upon her and she's just trying to be very professional while at her job. But when she gets home, she lets it all hang out. And the fact that she has beer for breakfast, you know, like that's a thing. Like <laughs> wow, what like drink responsibly, children. But at the same time, you know, Masato she doesn't have it together and I love that. The other great thing is she has a pet penguin named Pen Pen. That's hilarious as well. I was thinking that, yeah. yeah. One of the, the light relief moments of the show, and it's not light relief in an annoying way. It's not Jar Jar Binks. It's just, there's a penguin in the background, and yeah, that's it. There's just Why is there a penguin? Is there a reason for this? D- it doesn't it's, matter. It's, it doesn't matter. It's a penguin. We can make Evangelions. It, I mean, we've, we're past the second impact now. I mean, mankind's teetering on the brink. Who's going to give a crap if you have a penguin? Nobody. I mean, I mean like, if you can afford it, go on ahead. Yeah, spec- speculation. I mean, you know, um, okay. the, the impact happened in Antarctica. The, the, you know, the, the ice caps have gone. Hashtag global warming. And yeah, maybe that's where the peng- penguin came from. Pen Pen's just there. He has no purpose to the plot. He's just a penguin. And it's brilliant. The other thing you just brought up um Masato has some back if your friends haven't told you mcdonald's spicy chicken mcnuggets are back the ones made with spicy tempura and aged cayenne but before you go telling friends make sure you get them first order ahead on the mcdonald's app Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. for a limited time at participating mcdonald's good afternoon would you like to try a free sample of our double fudge brownie oh sure mm, that's very good I- i'll just take one more just to be sure yep still very good Some things never change, like never being able to take just one free sample. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Mmm, is that macadamia nut I taste? Let me take one more. Sir, mmm, yeah, I thought so. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. History here. Uh, You mentioned this, we have both mentioned the second impact now. That was basically mankind's first experience with angels and it went horribly awry because of mankind and antarctica was taken out and 
the world is teetering on the brink of unlivable humankind is on the brink of extinction you know more or less but masato is the sole survivor of that impact correct me if i'm wrong alex but she's the one that got away and survived she that's correct yeah and she she kind of wake wakes up and sees a glimpse of it and it's sort of implied that her dad's killed uh during second impact and hands her her kind of medallion crucifix again that she wears around her neck and she's got the sort of the the tough surviving daughter act going on but you know she was a child when it happened and whilst she's older than the 14 year old um three main characters she's still not old is she i'm guessing she's about what 19 I don't know. Right? Her age, I mean, I didn't really clock her age when I was watching the show. No, and, no nor did me. I. But yeah, but she, she's a young woman and she's kind of, she's been taken into that military world as a sole survivor. And she's incredibly formidable. The other strong female character I was thinking of was Ritsuko, um, who's sort of her friend, but not friend, effectively her boss. They just bounce off each other. They went to uni together, I think it was. Yeah. And uh, while Ritsuko stayed, Masato kind of dropped out, I think, or didn't fare so well. Like one was the studier and one was the party girl. Yeah. But um, they kind of riff off each other. Like mm. one, I think Ritsuko, I mean, like we never get to see her, like where she lives, her social life. We get to, like no. a brief glimpse of it. Like they go out for drinks or whatever. And she just kind of has it together. But she's in the shadow of her mother. That's the thing. Like Ritsuko, yeah. she like that. That's where you know, like she can't get out. Like I think that she's judging herself based on her parents' achievements and how will yes. I measure up. Whereas Masada doesn't have that, and mm. they're both very badass in their own way. Um, again, spoilers. One of the angels. Uh, they manifest themselves in different ways. And one of them, I think, is like a computer virus or a virus of some sort. Yeah, it, it enters the computer software that's basically kind of, it's called the Magi. Um, again, another biblical reference there. The Magi is in the three kings that visited um, baby Jesus. And Ritsuko's mother has programmed a three-part computer so it's layered so that it's as unhackable as possible. Um, the idea is that it expresses herself as a mother as a woman and as a daughter i get i can't remember um but maybe as a scientist but sort of three aspects of herself as an individual and um yeah when this angel which doesn't have like a physical appearance it's more of a, a virus she has uh, ritsuko has to kind of go into the computer and i suppose manually eject it is that, is that yeah. fair, Joe? Well, yeah, I mean, like, she finds the way to, like, thwart this angel. And it's kind of a badass moment because no one knows this computer system like she does. It yes. is basically her mother's personality, her three main, like, her three main traits. And she goes in there and it was, I think it was a great, it's, again, this is a great nod. Our female listeners will love this. But the last computer left, the one element that was left was the one that was her as a woman and she was just rejecting this ford invader like i think that her words were she was she was a tough bitch the last or something into that element and it, it's just i think it's so cool that mm. none of the guys you know had an idea like we can't beat this physically or anything 
and out of nowhere she comes in like i will i understand this i know how to do this this is my time to amp up and she does do it and it's yeah. a really great moment for her like she totally pulls it off and she's a very crucial element to the series but she's also underutilized i guess in a sense but yeah. we have so many we have so many characters in the show that are so interesting they couldn't focus on all of them just 26 episodes no i mean even the supporting scientists who are kind of they're always there at the uh, the main um I suppose the main human battle station, you could call it, which is, uh, is it Nerve, it's called? Yeah, Nerve. Yeah, I remember that bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so um, the the main place <laughs> Are where... they calling the... it Nev in Netflix, by the way? Is it Nev? Nev, or whatever? I did hear something about the pronunciation was wrong on a few, and they changed a few subtitles, they? Didn't have, they have, yeah. I mean, we'll come to that in a moment, but confession time, I've watched a couple of episodes of the new dub, and I could not get along with it. And yet, yes, I know I could put it in Japanese, but my Evangelion, and I will apply ownership to it, my Evangelion is the 1990s one with Tiffany Grant, who um, was the voice actress for, um, you know, for, for Oscar um your favorite character joe and i was very narked at netflix from the word go because around the time when they decided netflix that they were going to have evangelion you know up on netflix they started getting auditions for voice actors and actresses and they completely bypassed the original actors uh, and, you know, you'd think, okay, accidents happen, maybe there's an explanation for it. It wasn't until Tiffany Grant specifically stated on Twitter, you know, we reached out and said, hey, 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 are we allowed to audition? And Netflix kind of re- responded, oh, yeah, 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 sure. It's it's closed, though, already. And, um, yeah, oh, and, oh you know, not one or two, the entire cast. And... This is a team of people that have kind of like continued doing conventions and attached a lot of kind of their acting career and, you know, their identity to these characters. That's a pretty poor showing on Netflix. I, I think so. Yeah. And like, I, you know, I re- fair enough. I, I, I defend people even when it's not necessary. But first of all, we have to say thank you for Netflix for putting this up. Yes. And not only did they put up the show, they put up the end of Evangelion movie as well, mm. didn't they? Which, that was, I mean, they didn't have to do that. No, that was very no, they good didn't. No. Because, because, like you said, how, many, how much does this cost on Amazon to buy right now? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, um, you know, thank you to my friend Gwyn. So, Gwyn says to me, you know, years back in 2007, Alex, 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 the Platinum version box set is about to be released of Evangelion. I'm like, ooh, £70. And my dad's like, oh, it's too much to spend on DVDs. Ooh, tin box set. Anyway, I asked for that for Christmas. And now, you know, years on, one individual cardboard DVD version of the Platinum, um, you know, edit it's like fifty pound. It's just it's skyrocketed. And like, don't get me wrong, I love Evangelion, but I'm not going to dump seven hundred pound on something. You know, it's it's not a 2019 gigantic, is it, Joe? Right? <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, this is actually a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, what's so good about this box set that you've got? Then is it um, a certain dub? Is there a certain extra feature, or is it just? This is a subject in and of itself, Paul, right? So It is, yeah. Okay. So sorry, sorry, Gainax, 
Gynax, re- Gynax released this, right? It's under Studio Gynax. And I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. No, no, no. Go, go for it. It's, go for G- it. it's G-A-I-N-A-X. But um, they released the show originally. Um, there were issues with the amount of money that they could put towards it towards the end, which is why some folks feel that the end was rushed and it wasn't the way that they originally wanted to plan it, blah, 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 blah. Um, ADV uh, released it. And that was that was English translation. That's kind of like the famous translation, Neon Genesis Evangelion, and you know, like that's how you know a lot of people know it through the ADV release. Um, there have also been a lot of re-releases. So DVD and VHS, they were long and in between. Um, there were a few different DVD releases. Some, in terms of transfer quality, weren't the best. Um, which leads you to find some pirated versions, which have better uh, transfer value than what the official releases did. Um, you have collector's platinum sets like Alex has by official releases, which are hard to come by because, again, it was kind of a limited showing. You have this stuff that's hugely popular in Japan. But in terms of English language releases, they've kind of restricted the amount of stuff that comes across, even figures and stuff like Evangelion. It's very niche for whatever reason in English speaking countries. But in Japan, it's this huge thing. Even now, it's never gone away. No, it's massive. But but I mean, releases, how much they're worth, collector sets, the original sets, that's a whole discussion to be had in itself. And we've gone kind of past time just talking about the series we should really start talking about the different endings now yeah i think so um i think we should circle back to that right we there's more than one there's there's, there's yes. multiple yeah we will take our second break and we'll, we'll return for oh, our God. final part i think it's obvious that we're going to do more than one episode on evangelion but we will finish off this yeah. episode with the end of evangelion hello this is ray from the heroes podcast network And I am here to tell you about Screen Heroes. Do you love superheroes? What about superheroes in film and TV? How about weird rankings like top five lists or maybe three people just arguing about top five lists? Either way, we are the podcast for you. Check us out every Tuesday night live on Twitch. Or subscribe to Screen Heroes Podcast on iTunes, Spreaker, and Google Play. Now, back to your regularly scheduled podcast. And welcome back to our final part of this episode of Kaiju Curry House. We are about to discuss the many endings of Evangelion. I should say Neon Genesis Evangelion. Right. Joe, let's start off with the TV series endings, which was a two-part episode, wasn't it? Yeah, it's chaos. And it, it's not a linear plot device no. anymore. It's all taking it, you know, it's basically psychological profiles of the remaining cast members. Yeah. And it's them, it's basically like they're put under police interview light like you know like they're they're being interrogated and how do you justify yourself why did you do that what's going on here what is your motivation and it's like we're looking at this from inside their minds 
And depending upon the mind, it can look perfectly normal. It can be quite weird. Mm. It can be quite trippy. Um, our listeners who have seen 2001 A Space Odyssey by Stanley Kubrick, the star child sequence is about the closest thing you can get to yes. the, seri- the series finale of Evangelion. Um, it went over people's heads. I think in a similar fashion, I, I love your comparison there, Joe, uh, to 2001 Space Odyssey. It was my dad who explained the ending to me of that film when he said, you know, did you understand the ending of 2001 Space Odyssey? And I said, not really, Dad. And he said, well, you know, it, it's pretty odd, isn't it? And I said, yes. And he goes, do you understand that he, that the main character goes inside the monolith? And I thought, no, no, I did not understand that. It was just, there was lots of bright stars and him looking like he's having the worst trip of his life. And with this two-part episode of The End of Evangelion, that's the TV series, not the film End of Evangelion, this is where it's confusing, got the police interrogation thing going on, and you're thinking, this is a lot of time spent on interrogation, when's the action? And the answer is, there isn't any. However, there's a couple of different um, shots of... I suppose like indicated or suggested action and one of the shots was the body of Ritsuko lying in the water because she's been shot and there's a couple of little bits and pieces and it's suggested that mankind's gone not fully but mankind as we know it there has been the third impact and the planet is gone and now humanity is one conscience as kind of a fluid on the planet, as a red goop, and we've kind of returned to that primordial soup. And that's as far as I understand the two-part episode towards the end of the series. And then at the end, they all rejoice because Shinji suddenly clicks. He gets it. He gets kind of what his place is in the universe. He gets why it's important, why he has value. And it's almost a bit like he's made peace of his depression. What was your understanding of it, Joe? For me, it was just kind of a ride. I wasn't looking for it necessarily as a plot device. Once it was, I mean, basically someone had to come out and tell me, like, you know that the show is about anxiety and depression and each character is basically representing a type of depression or a different way of coping. I was like, oh, right. Yeah. That weird show suddenly makes so much more sense. So when the last two episodes came out, basically it was kind of for me it was jarring because they just switched gears so suddenly but in a sense i guess you could say it was expected this was always going to be like kind of a conclusion to the show you were just going to remove the linear plot of angels versus robots evas from the show and you're just going to focus entirely on the depression and it's basically every character coming to grips with their depression or how they're coping for me and yeah it's just so poignant some of it it's so beautiful like Shinji goes through some of these uh, different, you know, thought processes. And at one point, you just see Shinji's idealized world, like the normal, happy life that he always wanted. And it's just him, his family, and Asuka barge again. Like Asuka's just been her child, his childhood friend for forever. And he sleeps in one day. His dad is just being a goober you know like typical oafish dad just reading the paper and like his wife is talking to him. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i'll get right on that yep 
Mm-hmm. And his wife is just going about, you know, like domestic tasks, normal stuff. And she's just, you know, doing whatever. And Shinji's in bed. Asuka goes and wakes him up and then gives him all sorts of crap because he's got a morning wood boner, you know, like, oh, God, ah, and like slaps him. And then, you know, like his parents, you know, like Shinji's mom, like, oh, isn't it nice that, you know, Asuka comes and, you know, takes care of him and stuff and make sure he gets to school on time. And his dad's still like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, because he's still reading the paper. And that's all that he wants in life, just to have this normal time. Mm. And, you know, like all through it, like you see those characters just like having this terrible depressed time but i guess we focus on shinji because he's the main protagonist and just i thought that was just so poignant and when he finally comes to realize that he's his own person that what other people say doesn't necessarily have value it's it's where he attaches value it's his own self and then like he like you said it just snaps and everybody's happy for him and that's the end of the show but it wasn't enough it wasn't enough for some folks no and it it wasn't enough and I mean, if you think that I got salty over the orca in um, our previous episode, you know, you don't know anything because there are people who got more invested in Evangelion as a show than, you know, the the reams of fans that got invested in season eight of Game of Thrones. And as you all know, people get angry when the end product is not what they envisaged. And... Anno, the director, got death threats, quite significant ones, and, you know, people went nuts, they they absolutely hated him, they hated the end product, they hated everything it stood for, and he kind of turned around and went, alright, you're on, and everyone's like, what? And it's like, right, trailer released, the end of Evangelion. Now, I think initially, it was released as a mini-film called Death and Rebirth, and I think uh, I've got that on DVD somewhere. Death is um, is basically just a recap of Evangelion as a show with lots of little bits that kind of almost like a deleted scenes uh, ream. Have you seen Have you seen Death, um, Joe? Yes, I have. I have. I have all of yeah, that on DVD. Okay. Yeah. And it, it, it's um, it's it's worth watching. It's good, uh, and it focuses particularly on the dynamic between Shinji and Oscar when they're not kind of in the Ava pilots uh, mode kind of uh, them having cello lessons together and there's some really quite profound moments in it and uh, that that's about an hour in length and then the next part is rebirth and that plays the first half hour maybe 25 minutes of the end of evangelion so in the end of evangelion what basically happens is the military organization seal seal um Sele, yeah. yeah. They have kind of been this mysterious, very shifty organization that have kind of been in the background. And that these there's some various what that look a bit like world leaders. They're sat around a table and they've got various different colours to kind of symbolize their part of the world. And they've been watching from a distance, seeing how things play out. And they're unhappy that things aren't moving along fast enough. And they decide basically that they are gonna steal Ava Unit 1, Evangelion Unit 1, which Shinji pilots, and they decide, right, we are going to forcibly make third impact happen. So, you know, in layman's terms, what does that mean? They decide that, say they decide that they are going to um, 
effectively manufacture an Armageddon. Does that sound about right, Joe? Yes. And, wow. You know, it's incredibly sinister because it's it's a dark show as as we've probably you know highlighted already you know but it's not a very violent show there are violent moments there's a part when um ava unit one goes berserk and eats one of the angels that's quite sinister but overall in terms of human to human violence it's way to just throw that in yeah <laughs> like that wasn't a huge plot element but you know it just happens there <laughs> okay <laughs> massive massive plot but you know there's, there's so much to cover but human to human violence it's not a violent show and then the end of evangelion comes along and you've got all these guards at nerve at this uh station that kind of they've just been doing their thing and the Seelay um people they come along their own military and they just basically gun down everyone you know man woman and child on site everyone's massacred and then they march in and what basically happens is you have this massive fight with Shinji being called to arms, and he can't. Why can't he? Because, well, he's a teenager. There are a bunch of um, soldiers shooting people, shooting people you recognise, their blood's across the wall, and as a 14-year-old understandably would do, he's there pissing himself, terrified. So Oscar takes it upon herself, and Joe's going to explain that scene to us now. Right. So it's amazing, isn't it? I'm going to pre- I'm going to preface this that like people wanted a linear story conclusion to Evangelion, and I think that's what people went absolutely crazy about when Anno decided to do the subtext conclusion to Evangelion. Anyways, Oscar becomes MVP. Um, basically she's been like, again, you know, we spoke earlier how she's just completely disconnected from reality and Masato being the mother figure, you know, like she's the person in charge of it. She puts Asuka in an Ava, the Ava's for all intents and purposes. They're, they can withstand a nuke. They are just well nigh indestructible. The flesh underneath regenerates incredibly quickly the armor plating is there they're made for combat with angels i mean like they're they're designed to fight deities in a sense so they are tusta masato put masato put asuka in an eva and have it come up underneath the bay so that she can just sit there and everybody's just like well she'll find her they'll find her you know like what she can't do anything inside of it. she's paralyzed like, yeah it's just like well they have to get to her first so they put her there, and as all of this stuff's going on around her, Asuka finally clicks, and she's thinking the soul of her mother's in her Ava, and her Ava's been looking after her and stuff, and she's, it's that validation from her parents she wanted, in a sick way it makes sense in her mind. And what Sele has done is they've created these vulture-esque-looking Evangelion units. They've created their own Avas. And these Avas are driven by dummy plugs, which they're clones of Ray. They kind of have a soul, but it's not an organic one, I guess you could say. It didn't come about organically. It's it's synthetic. It's a synthetic soul. They're driven by synthetic souls, these Avas. And Asuka, you know, basically wakes up and just obliterates the military element around mm. the nerve headquarters. She's in 
the ultimate weapon of destruction, so to speak. And she is good at what she does when she's in Neneva. She is the best. And then the military destroys the uh, plug. So basically, these Avas have a weak point. Um, it's the amount of power that they can store. Uh, normally, there's like an umbilical power plug. And there are multiple points around cities or wherever they could fight. It looks like a giant like uh, petrol filler that they just plug it into their back. Mm. And that's their power source. Asuka's power source is disconnected. They shoot the uh, line that's connecting her plug and you know it ha she has to jettison it. And then she's basically on internal reserves. She's got five minutes and she has to take out 12 synthetic Avas. And does she do it? She defeats every single one pretty much right on the buzzer. Yeah. And and then they and then they regenerate. And she's got no power. And that's the thing. I mean, like when she's tearing through them, it's some of the most gory but fantastic, you know, um... That is an action sequence. It is an amazing action sequence. Oh, it, it's it's phenomenal. So I mean, just to backtrack for a moment, she, she's she's inside her Ava unit. And she's just sat there paralyzed by fear. And she says in succession... Fear and lack of self-worth. You know, like, that's really what it was, wasn't it? You want sorry, say again? Fear and lack of self-worth. She's oh, completely I mean, disconnected with uh, what gave her her edge. Again, I mean, like, going back to what I was saying about the voice actress Tiffany Grant, she has an incredible performance because uh, the actress sort of says in succession, I don't want to die, I don't want to die, I don't want to die. And she's saying it, like, well over 50 times. And the scene's really drawn out, but the camera's slowly moving into it. And then suddenly she just shouts, I don't want to die. And if you freeze the the screen for a moment you see her face covered in maggots and she's just basically she's absolutely petrified of dying and then as she rises from the water she lifts up this entire um well entire boat doesn't she and she just lifts it up it's a battleship yeah is it her battleship she just lifts it up and then just clobbers through these artificial um ava units and whoa she's like, ripping their mouths open like the Pez dispensers. She's just um, grabs one of them and shoots all of her ammunition through it and just blows its brains out. It's a fantastic scene. But as you say, Joe, just at the buzzer goes and then her, her, you know, her energy levels are out. She's got no reserves and then they regenerate. And, and her, I mean, I mean, it's important to recognize too, though. I mean, like she doesn't win, but, uh, it's important to recognize that her will gets the Ava moving again right before it gets obliterated. Like there's a brief moment where like her sheer force of will gets the Ava with no power back up and running. Yeah. Briefly before the final blow is struck. Mm. But cool moment. Absolutely amazing. Oscar shine. It was amazing. Oh, it's, it's phenomenal. And um, yeah, she, she runs out of power. They regenerate and uh well what happens to her joe have you seen paul i i say we, we i can't actually remember it that well um i was just thinking that sounds really good that you've actually talked about an action scene there which is obviously me the dumb me who's thinking you're talking all about depression mm. and anxiety for nearly an hour now and you've now you're talking about a bit of action some kaiju on Kaiju Curry yeah. House. Yeah. Oh, well, the end of Evangelion, so... <laughs> like this this, re this release, as it were. It sounds like it's not for everyone, this show. 
No, no, it's no, course it's not. not. No, it's not. Um, it's very much Marmite. It very much is. But uh, yeah, or for Australian listeners, Vegemite. Yeah, but but is it? But is it? Is it a kaiju show? Yes, absolutely. Every single angel is a distinct kaiju. You know, they are a strange beast. Yeah, and- yeah, and that's how the show was sold <laughs> to me. I remember um, a guy showed me the first episode and was like. You know, here's the whole box set. You can buy it off me. It was, it was actually a VCD box set from um, ADV, and he was like, "Oh, here's watch episode one." I watched it. I was like, "Yeah, this this looks awesome." And then that was my expectation, which was. Um, do you feel lied to? I I do feel I feel <laughs> lied and cheated to, but I do. Uh, listening to you guys talk about it, it yeah. does sound it sounds really interesting, but not something that twenty year old me really was in no. the mood for. No, no, maybe no, no. now. Nah, it's it it, see that's the better. thing. It, it's. It's not necessarily for a young audience. No. It's definitely for an audience that you know, like, has to understand the format and appeal of it. Yeah. But um, the end of Evangelion was specifically for a linear, like, conclusion to the linear plot. It didn't necessarily focus so much on the subtext. The subtext is still there, but yeah. it it was for the folks that wanted the action that was so prevalent in the series and people like me. Yeah, and. It does the Star Child thing. I mean, it's been explained to me. I'm not going to attempt to explain it, folks. But once it hits the fan and we see a giant ray appearing out of nowhere and all this other yeah. stuff, it goes full Star Child. Like, I, yeah, what the heck is going on there, Alex? You can explain that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay, so. Um... And we are going to have to round off soon, I'm conscious of time, but Oscar, Oscar loses. She's destroyed these, uh, these Ava units, but they regenerate, and they dive on her. And when I say they dive on her, they rip her to shreds. And you ever seen an African Serengeti documentary where oh. vultures are ripping apart a carcass? Oh. It is just like that. <laughs> you know, and they leave nothing to the imagination. Like, you know, you've... Nothing. You start off with this this goofy fourteen year old loudmouth kid who's frankly really annoying initially and kind of you know get got on my wick and then you know they they, they spiral into depression. You're like, wow, this is a really deep character. And then to see them basically just be torn apart, it's very frightening. But then, meanwhile, in Nerve, um, Shinji's dad, he's like, right, okay, I'm off to see Shinji's mum. I kind of miss her. And as I understand it, and again, I am conscious of time, he effectively injects um, the DNA of a previous angel, Adam, into his hand. He wanders over to the second angel, Lilith, the wife of Adam, and somewhere in that there is the DNA of Ray. And what rises from the ground looks a bit like a Stay Puff marshma- Marshmallow Man, but it's Ray. And it's it's Uber, it's it's Uber Ray, <laughs> and Ray lifts up into the sky. This sounds hilarious. Ah, uh, it and it's trippy and creepy at the it same is, time. And it's a weird thing to see. And let let let's just say I I know I I, I know friends who've <laughs> sorry Alex <laughs> watched this in various states. I'm not going to say any more. <laughs> and they've gone, why are we watching this? This is terrifying. Ah, turn it off. And they've regretted it. It's this, this film, End of Evangelion, will take you to dark places unless you're in a really strong mental state. But boy, it's fun. And guys, it is well over our time to finish. 
There we go. Yeah. Right. Wow. Um, if nothing else. You better watch Evangelion on Netflix because 700 pounds for the DVD set. I don't know the next time you're going to get a better opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, um, if nothing else, I don't. I, I can't recommend this. I'm going to say go watch Stranger Things Season 3. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, bypass. bypass yeah, yeah I am. This podcast. Instead of going on Netflix, <laughs> yeah. watch Go on to Netflix and watch Stranger Things instead. Solid Paul. You see, like this is the demographic here though. I mean like train themselves. You have people that will like Evangelion that will give it a go, that want to see an intelligent show. And but you know, like at the same time, it is weird. If nothing else, I suggest that you go on to um go onto YouTube and look up the end of Evangelion trailer. And just just sit back and just marvel at the fantasticness of it all. And I'm signing off. Thank you very much, everyone. It's been a pleasure. There you go, folks. Keep it kaiju. Yeah, thanks for listening. See you next time. Kaiju Curry House is part of the Heroes Podcast Network and produced by UK Kaiju with music by Flying Killer Robots. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe at heroespodcast.com or on the various podcast services such as Apple iTunes, Google Play, or just about any podcast app. If you want to get involved with the show, please tweet us at UKKaiju and check out UKKaiju.com for the latest news, events and kaiju thoughts from all of us. Thanks for listening. There are so many ways of intelligently describing the end of Evangelion. We are not the podcast to do this. <laughs> me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, price and coverage match limited by state law.